You're listening to Grow Yourself Up, a weekly mental health podcast hosted by Kath Cunahan. I'm a psychotherapist, writer, and speaker working in private practice in London. I specialize in the impact of our own childhood on our parenting and how we can heal and integrate our childhood trauma, wounding, and stress so that we can inhabit our full adult selves. Join us each week as we talk about all things growing ourselves up, how we can tend to ourselves in our parenting, generational healing, and overcoming the impacts of childhood trauma. Together, we will become more self-compassionate, connected, authentic, resilient, and heart-centered, so we can live our own full and beautiful lives. As a listener of this podcast, you're welcome to come over and join the Facebook group. So search on Facebook for Grow Yourself Up. It's a private Facebook group of all the listeners. And did you know there are journal prompts that go along with every episode? So sign up for the journal prompts on kathcunahan.com or go to my Instagram, kathcunahan, and sign up at the link in the bio there. And you will get my newsletter, Nurture, Heal, Grow, which contains all the journal prompts. Looking forward to seeing you in the Facebook group. The podcast is produced each week by the wonderful Audio Cafe. Thanks for being here. Hello, welcome back. It's episode 42 of Grow Yourself Up. How are you this week? Um, I am still recovering from being unwell, so my voice may sound a bit croaky, but it's lovely to be with you. And um, in the UK, it's the week before Easter, and it's school holidays. And so I wanted to talk about a topic that is very close to my heart, um, which is emotional regulation, co-regulation, and um, also the concepts of blame and responsibility. For many parents, the school holidays are a time of maximum kind of stress, actually, because they may be trying to work full time and manage children and childcare and um, may be trying to go on holiday as well, but may not have um, or actually not work and go somewhere away from their home. But for many of us, um, it's a it's a time of um, heightened stress, which kind of goes against the projection of what holidays are about which then makes it harder to deal with because our own emotional experience is kind of at odds with the societal projection of what a holiday looks like. So let's talk a little bit about blame as well, blame and responsibility, because these are complex topics, particularly in the in the context of a dysfunctional family, because often what happens in a family where there's dysfunction, when people are not getting their needs met, when we're not being seen or heard or acknowledged – Blame is often um, often at the core of a of a um, dysfunctional family is actually emotional immaturity, and part of this emotional immaturity is not actually kind of realizing or having a like a deep sense of knowing that life is quite complex and hard and comes with problems, things go wrong. Um, there's not always a reason, you know. Life sort of un- un- unravels sometimes and in quite spectacular ways and things get thrown up on the path and they can be very challenging. And um, we need a certain degree of emotional maturity to deal with that and to not kind of collapse into self-blame and not um, 
collapse into trying to find fault with a whole lot of other people to just kind of acknowledge this is one of the challenges of life and I'm going to need to sort this out. Yes, to have feelings around it, but not that every single problem destabilizes you um, or me or sends us into like a kind of a completely shut down state. But when we've grown up in a family, when there's um, an illusion of being able to control things all the time, or that that's something that is desirable to try and control things, or that things can be perfect. And by the way, both of those are are signs of emotional immaturity because we cannot get things perfect and we cannot control things. Life is kind of inherently out of our control. But if there's this kind of um, belief that we can try and control things, then blame often comes into, into, into play. And so when things go wrong, often what happens is there's a, um, there may be a scapegoat in the family. So there may be one of the children typically who gets blamed for everything. They're kind of seen as the person who kind of holds the badness in the family. Um, and, um, sometimes that even happens with one of the parents where, um, the, one of the other parent kind of gangs up with the children and scapegoats the parent or, the parents divide the children and scapegoat one of the siblings because um, they find that an easier way to kind of deal with life. And often these are patterns that don't get seen until much, much later. But if we just look at what blame means, so blame is to consider responsible for a misdeed, failure, or undesirable outcome. It's to find fault with or to criticize, and it's to place responsibility for something with someone. So it's this idea of um, you need to take responsibility for these failures and these faults, and it's your fault, and I'm going to criticize you for this. Now, there's a, a difference between blame and responsibility. So if we've done something that is not helpful, we can take responsibility for it. We may we may have done something which created an undesirable outcome. We may have had a failure, and um, we can take responsibility for whatever has sort of like unraveled or happened because of those things. But um, we don't need to blame ourselves endlessly. And we also don't need to constantly find fault with the others in our family. Now, when we've grown up in a dysfunctional family, it's often second nature to try and do this. I notice I try and apportion blame. Um, so um, within my family, I've had to work really hard on kind of welcoming in the um, uh, kind of the random nature of some things, of how things go sometimes with our kids, of how we can't um, reverse engineer a perfect day. And to really, um, my husband tells me that I blame him sometimes. And so I've really had to look at that. Why do I do that? Why is it so appealing to blame? Um, what in my history has brought me to that? So, and I notice this is a kind of a common pattern in dysfunctional families that we want to look for someone to blame. And and that's very understandable often because often some of the stuff that we've lived through um, feels so unfair that we want some we want to blame somehow. I'm going to explore this concept of blame in a lot more um, detail in a whole separate episode. I was on a podcast recently and I talked about how um, with parents, so it's it's when people realize they didn't get what they needed in childhood, it can be really difficult to kind of uh, examine that and hold that for some people, um, particularly in therapy, because it can feel like we're blaming our parents or we're not appreciative of what they did for us. 
And this obviously has a huge range because um, depending on what happened to you in your childhood, you will have a good or not good um, or maybe sometimes good and sometimes not so good relationship with your parents. And so um, this is going to be very specific to each of you. Um, everyone who's listening will have a different um, version of this. But some people, for some people, it's even difficult to acknowledge some of the stuff they didn't get because it feels so threatening to relationship with a parent. And um, particularly things like emotional neglect or not having any access to one's feelings, never having learned that one's feelings were important or never having learned that one's needs were important or having a mother who constantly used you to get her needs met. Those type of patterns I would consider to be generational trauma and they go back the generations because um, one set of parents do that to their, chi- their child, then that child considers that that is like normal in inverted commas, that's the way things go, and they do that to their children. So it becomes part of a family. Um, it's just people have this way of speaking. They say, oh, this is how our family is. And so in those cases, we would then, we, we just have to blame back the generations. So Sometimes there's really no point in blaming. It's important to kind of carve that out and put it on the side and to really look at the feelings. So there might be a huge range of feelings like anger, sadness, loss, huge amounts of grief. And the the way in which we view our parents and our siblings often shifts a lot over time depending on where we are in our own process. So I'll talk um, separately about that. Send me any messages if you've got questions about blame, but I wanted to specifically talk about this in the context of one's own family now and um, around co-regulation and supporting um, uh, your family to have as much harmony as possible. Because when things are very um, kind of uh, – when everyone's in having a lot of dysregulation, um, emotions are running very high, maybe there's a lot of meltdowns from both parents and children – it can be very uh, appealing to try and blame. And often parents, so co co like partners, can get stuck in a pattern of blaming each other for like, you did that, you did that, it's because of you that the kids are like this, or it's because you don't do this for the kids that they're like that, or it's because of your childhood that you're like this. And, um, and then, especially if you know a lot about each other's stories. And so... I want to try and suggest that it's important to kind of leave that to the side so that we can actually work to support each other. So often in, um, in, I'm, t- I'm talking here in, in families where there are two parents and the parents are supporting each other or, um, maybe not living together or maybe, maybe they're separated, but they're co-parenting together. Um, it's incredibly difficult being a single parent because of the lack of co-regulation that you get from other adults. But often what happens in a couple dynamic is there's one partner who is typically more well-regulated than the other partner, so less prone to dysregulation. And that can bring bring up blame and shame, uh, self-blame and shame for the person who is less well-regulated. And, um, hopefully not blame from the other partner, but that can also sometimes happen. So what I want to suggest, because the, the school holidays typically bring up a time of, um, and any family holidays where there's going to be a requirement for more co-regulation. I want to suggest that in your family, you talk about 
the flashpoints. You talk about when um, everything like goes to hell and everyone is shouting and everyone is fighting and everyone's having a meltdown. Can you look at when do those occur? So do, do they typically occur at the same time? Is it often just before mealtime? Like is everyone's blood sugar really low? Is there any pattern around why they occur? Is there anything that happens repeatedly in your family, which then leads to um, someone losing it or losing their shit or your children maybe really struggle with transitions and you always try and really rush them through the transition. So then there's always a, a massive meltdown at that point. And then maybe one of the parents also has a meltdown. Can you look at um, all of the patterns? And like, if you look back over the last week or month or, or maybe even the last holiday, what were the flashpoints for you? Is it tricky for you all to pass through the airport if you're flying somewhere? Um, do you and your partner approach the airport in a different way? Does, does one of you try and speed through and consider it a success to get through passport control as fast as possible and then ditch the whole family because they want to get through passport control? Like notice, that's something that I often want to do actually because I'm like, honestly, you people always walking in front of me. Can I just lead the way? Anyway, I've, I don't do that, but it feels appealing to want to do that. So can you really think about um, on your last holiday – what happened? Um, was there, you know, where were the tricky points? Can you notice why there were tricky points? And can you try and dialogue about that with the other adult in your family so that you can try and, um, make a plan around that and, and most importantly, support each other? Because one of the things that's very beautiful about, um, being in a relationship and parenting together is the ability that you two have between each other to actually support each other. Co-regulation is one of our greatest uh, tools. And when I say co-regulation, what I mean is um, someone coming into the space, maybe you're in a space and you're in a very bad mood or you're feeling very grumpy or um, maybe shut down and connecting with you. If they say touch you, put their hand on your shoulder or make eye contact and say a loving few words to you, or if they kiss you on your forehead or do something very tender, which helps you regulate. The tools of our own bodies are our tools of regulation. So our voice, our touch, our, um, our eyes, the tone of our voice, and actually using our body. So for example, hugs can be very co-regulating. So notice how you connect with your partner. Notice how you do this with your children as well, because these are the same tools you'll be using for your children and notice what helps you. So if you are the partner who typically um, is more well-regulated, then ask your partner, what can I do to help you when you're having a real flashpoint? Um, how can I support you in that? What works for you? And if you are the partner who is less well-regulated and tends to lose it more or get much more triggered or feel um, much more in danger of being very shut down. What is it that you may need from your partner? Can you notice what helps you? Can you notice what makes you feel more connected? What helps you be in a place of um, like ventral vagal? So in Deb Dana's body of work, she talks about the autonomic ladder and um, she has ventral vagal at the top of that ladder where you're connected, your social engagement system is online. What helps you be in that place? 
if we if we use the um the lingo of the window of tolerance what helps you remain in that zone with your where your frontal cortex is online and you're thinking and you can manage your own emotions you can manage what's going on in your body how how um how can you support yourself to be in that place and if you've got a partner what helps you with um with that because real intimacy is is showing our vulnerabilities and asking for help with them and allowing our partner to do the same and not shaming each other for um our kind of vulnerabilities we each have vulnerabilities and this is not a competition so it's you know when we when we've grown up in a family where there's any blame and also when there's dysfunction and when it was important to be perfect it can feel like it's important to be one up on our partner because like you may consider yourself to be better regulated or more perfect or better with your children but really if we can support each other to raise the harmony level in our family um that's through working together and using that co-regulation so let me tell you from my life some of the things that i find i am in my relationship the one who tends more to dysregulation so i would say i have a narrower window of tolerance than my husband and for a long time i had a lot of shame about this that why couldn't i be um like as calm as he is why um do you know why don't i have the same set of responses as he is but i'm much much more deeply sensitive i process at a much deeper level i notice a lot more than he does so we each have different strengths and i've taught him some things to do to help me i do love it if he loses it i mean not because i want him to lose it but like i'm like oh goody <laughs> now i can help you <laughs> anyway so yeah um but what really helps me is when he um touches me so if he puts his hand on my shoulder or on my lower back or if he strokes my hair like a tender gesture is very loving and very regulating it's really it helps you be seen sometimes he uses humor so sometimes if if he can hear me and i've shouted in the kitchen or something and he comes downstairs he'll kind of laugh a little bit and say oh are you having a tricky time and that's funny to me because i say that to my children are you having a tricky time if i'm kind of not quite sure what feelings are there and i'm sort of helping them understand their feelings i often start off with that so when he says that to me it feels so loving and humorous as well and it's so gentle and that immediately helps me feel more regulated i feel connected i laugh i'm grateful for him for acknowledging and witnessing me i'm grateful for no criticism um it's it feels very loving i feel i feel seen and supported i can come back into a place of really um of love of of feeling love from him and of thinking okay i like i really want to repair with my kids i love them so much um you know what's just happened so that's just two little examples i'm going to do more on this as well because this is i think such a beautiful area where we can hold and support each other really lovingly and you know I think that uh, I um, often think about what is what is the kind of the aim for my family, and I really love this idea of harmony. How can we aim for harmony? What in this situation brings the most harmony? How can we support each other for that? Because that's a time when we can all be most connected. Okay, so um, I hope that um, some of those prompts help you to think about in your own context 
Where are your flashpoints? When do they occur? Are there any patterns around why they occur? How can you support your partner? How can you get the support you might need? How can you dialogue about this? I really want to invite you into like really open, honest communication. You're not broken. You are like the way you are because of what has happened to you. It's not about considering you're broken or you, you of, you know, that you need to shame yourself or blame yourself. It is about these, this is, you know, I've, my nervous system has been created because of what I've grown up with. How can we move forward in the best way? Where can I get some lovely co-regulation and how can I help support that in my partner? And so that we can all provide the best co-regulation for our kids. Okay. I'm sending you lots of love. Email me if you've got any thoughts. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to Grow Yourself Up, hosted by Kath Cunahan. We'll be back next week with a new episode supporting you to better understand and tend to yourself for more heart-centered, connected, authentic, and resilient living. Music